0: Thanks, Scott. Scott's got the challenging job, but it's a good one, and it reminds us of the faithfulness of God. Let's, uh, let's pray together. God, it is awesome to be in your house. It is good to worship you. It is good to focus our minds on how great you are, how you are beyond our ability to verbalize You are beyond our ability to praise correctly. That's why we sing, Come and fill our praises, Lord. We alone cannot praise you adequately, only if your spirit is filling us. Oh God, we ask that your presence will be palpable here today. We ask that your Holy Spirit will have his way. We pray that Your will will be done in our lives. We ask that we will be hearing from your word and that we will be receptive of that and it will challenge us and change us. We're so grateful that we have the opportunity to be here and to worship. We praise your name, Lord. We pray it in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, good morning. Great to see you. Um, Let's pull out our Bibles this morning and um, turn to Romans chapter 12. There's a surprise for any of you that have been here for the last several weeks. We've been in Romans 12 uh, for the last several weeks, and we will be for just a couple more as well. And so uh, Romans chapter 12, and today we're going to look at verses 6 through 8. But I'm actually going to read verses 3 through 8 because it gives us a little bit more of a context uh, for... um, what we're um, talking about this morning. So Romans chapter 12. If you didn't bring your own Bible, the Bible in the pew in front of you will be a very, very close translation here. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you that it is alive, that it works in our hearts, that it cuts past our defenses and meets us right where we are. I pray that your work in through this word this morning will honor you and inspire us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, we've been talking about uh, God's using us in his service. God's call on our lives to be servants. The call to serve in the name of Jesus Christ. And we've been noting that true greatness is available to us Through serving others. We've uh, noted a couple famous quotes, one from Martin Luther King Jr., anyone can be great because everyone can serve. And secondly, uh, from Jesus, Matthew chapter 20, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Those have been sort of the core ideas that we've been working with. And so we've been looking at Romans chapter 12 to discern this true greatness that comes through serving. And so Uh, The first week we looked at the first verse and and, uh, we called it give it your all and talked about offering our bodies as living sacrifices. Uh, Truly giving 100% to the Lord, but not in a way that that kills us, but in a way that allows us in a living way to serve the Lord. The second week we looked at verse 2 and we called it finding a new route and allowing God to transform us and to make us different from the world. Not that we have to transform our our minds and renew our minds, but God does that work in us. And that is something which truly uh, makes a difference and allows us, gives us the power to go out into the world and serve. Two weeks ago, we looked at verse 3 and verse 16, both of which were talking about humility. And we called it getting your hands dirty, being willing to humbly serve in any way that God calls you to do, even in ways which may be are uh, challenging to our uh, to our sense of uh, am I should I do that and often the answer is yes yes god calls us to humbly go forth and do those things last week we looked at verses 4 and 5 and we called it working together uh, each christian belongs the scripture says paul says here each christian belongs to all the other members of the community now that's really powerful because uh, that kind of really is counterintuitive to our sense of uh, individualism in, in, in Western society. You know, I'm my own person. You really don't have anything to say about my life. But Paul says, not true. You are a member of the body of Christ, and you belong to all the other members. And so therefore, uh, uh, we are called to not only um, uh, be our own persons, but we're also called to go out and to serve, serve our community, serve the Christian community. Well, today we're going to look at uh, verses 6 through 8 that we read here. Uh, we're, we're, we're noting uh, that this is about honing our skills, learning our spiritual gifts, and um, honing our skills so that we will be useful in the kingdom of God. I want you to know I come from a, a very musical family. Uh, my parents are both um, classical musicians and professors at uh, Houghton College, and so um, Music is something, like, really natural to us. And uh, I remember even as a, as a tiny little child singing, and my mom saying, good, you've got a good ear. You can really, you can hear, you know, you can follow along. And, and that was all good. And then um, when I was four years old, I got introduced to the violin. And I want you to know, it wasn't pretty at first. Wasn't. In fact, let me, here, let me, I just want to, I want to demonstrate here a little bit for you. <coughs> When, uh, when I was four years old, my teacher uh, couldn't get me to uh, even hold the violin straight. You're supposed to put it on your neck, and then you're supposed to get your chin there. And, and, and I, I, you know, I'd go like this. No, little Billy, move your chin. Move your chin. And I did hundreds of times. She would do that until finally I got to the point where I could hold it like this. And that became much more natural. And then you put the bow on the string. Anybody ever have violin lessons in their house? You know this- you know the sound, don't you? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it great? And then they let you move to the E-string. And there you are! Making that sound and your parents are going, oh you're gonna be great, honey. Just keep going. You're gonna be great. Put one finger down. Yeah. Yeah, and that's twinkle, twinkle, and you're going to be good. You know, you didn't think this was going to happen to you when you came to church today, did you? But, you know, after a while, they let me, They, they, they my parents, I mean, I owe this all to my parents. My parents, get back up, try, try again. And so pretty soon, you know, working on the scales, and it got a little bit better. And then pretty soon, it got even better. That's what my grandma liked. That was called humoresque. She liked that. And then I worked harder at it, and, and they let me shift positions. It's been a little while since I practiced that. But then when I got to the real big time, that's when it really kicked in. So now let me be completely clear. I would be a fool to think that I'm like, what? What? Oh. <laughs> yes. I would be a fool to think that I'm some kind of great violinist. Because I know I'm not. I know so many more people who are all practiced up, who are just wonderful at the violin who when they play, it makes my heart just melt. It's just so powerful or so, so meaningful. But friends, also, I have some musical gifting, and God has used that. God has used that, but it's not because I sounded that way on the first day. On the first day, you got to hear what I sounded like. And it was only through practice, practice, practice could I even hold the instrument right. Right? Could I even get to a point where it wasn't terrible squeaking sounds? Um, And and it just took a process of honing my skills. Well, in this passage today, Paul gives the Romans one of three lists of spiritual gifts that he talks about in Scripture. And um, I just want to make a, a quick comment here. There's regular gifts. Gifts like uh, you just, you know, gifts that talents that you have or abilities that you have or um, skills that you have and um, uh, your personality. Those are all gifts that God gives you. And he gives it to every person on earth. Everybody has certain gifts and skills. But spiritual gifts are gifts that God gives to you when you become a Christian. People who aren't Christians do not have spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, it's murky. They coincide with your regular gifts. And it's like God gives us regular gifts sort of as a foundation but then he'll give us spiritual gifts, which kind of build on that. So for instance, you might have somebody who's really good at um, kind of uh, speaking uh, to, to people, uh, just a real natural networker, but then God will give them the spiritual gift of evangelism, and every conversation they seem to have with people is always coming back around to how great Jesus is, and wouldn't you like to know that more? And people are like, yeah, I would. That's not that person. That's that, that's that person being used by God God working through them, that spiritual gift. They've had to hone that. It wasn't like that the first day when they started using that, but they have been able to, by the grace of God, work on that, and God's blessed them in a special way with that spiritual gift. Well, what I want to look today specifically at is the beginning part of verse 6. It says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us we have different gifts. Can we just stop and celebrate that? Can we just stop and say, yes, we are different, that we all don't have to be the same, that some of us can be really good at some things and others at other things, and that that's just a blessing, and that it's such a wonderful thing that there's diversity? Can we, can we stop and say, hey, world, I know that so often the world talks about diversity. Like, it's this great idea that they've kind of decided to celebrate. And, you know, diversity is great. We, we hear that all the time. Guess what? It was God's idea. It was God's idea that we'd be incredibly diverse. It was God who thought it would be really cool if everybody was completely unique, that there were no two people who are exactly the same. It's God's idea that there's all sorts of different eye colors, that there's all sorts of different skin colors. That there's all different shapes and sizes. Now, you might be kind of angry with God about the shapes and sizes part. But it's true. God gives us all these different um, uh, types. There's different cultures. There's different tribes. There's different clans, different nations, different people groups, even different languages. Now, some of you might say, no, wait a minute. What Didn't different languages come about? In Genesis chapter 11 of the Tower of Babel, they, they were trying to kind of build their tower to, to heaven and, and make that um, something that they would try to be equal with God. And so God pushed different languages upon them to spread them out. You're right, absolutely. But was it a curse or was it a blessing? See, I think it was a blessing that God poured out languages and cultures on us. Because when we look in Revelation, chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. See, when we get to heaven, when we get to that that new Jerusalem, it, it won't be that God forces us all back into one language and one people group. Instead, we all show up the way we are, and he uses all of it to bless him and to bless each other. It's, it's all valued. In uh, Revelation 21-24, it says, The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into the new Jerusalem. In other words, they and their cultures will come in, and it will be celebrated as good. Languages and cultures and difference differences uh, are not destroyed in Revelation. They are welcomed and celebrated. Now, I sometimes hear Christians lash out against multiculturalism and diversity, and I totally get that. I totally get it because those two words are so often code words that are used to indicate that we should embrace and accept all sorts of ideas and cultures and religions and practices, even those which we know go against God's plan as revealed to us in the Bible. So, for instance, people will say, you know, all religions are really the same. They all lead to God. That's not what the Bible says. All cultural practices are not bad. They're just different. They're just different. Well, you know what? That sounds really open-minded. But you know what? Nobody, honestly, even the most liberal person out there, doesn't believe that. You know why? Because when it comes to child brides and human trafficking and female infanticide and caste systems which say that some people are more important than others and religious exclusivism where a religion will actually have the gall to say that there's only one way to the father not multiple ways. When you begin to say things like that, even the most liberal folks out there will say, oh, no, 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 that's not right. And if they're saying that's not right, they're saying this part, this practice, this part of your religion, whatever, it's wrong. And the way I see it is right. And do you see that they are being not completely open-minded? It would be impossible for somebody to be truly be that way, because by simply being completely open to all things and saying they're all equal, you are excluding the things which say not all things are equal. Does that make sense? And, and so nobody falls into this category where everything is completely fine. So, so here it is. Diversity is thrown around so, so often, thrown in our faces, as you need to be more open-minded. But friends, diversity is God's idea. Diversity is a good thing. It's God's plan for the world. I, I just I think about, I think about the, the trees around us. This week, peak, really happened around here. And when I drive around the hillsides, I, I think, this is so awesome. I'm so go- glad God made multiple different kinds of trees. And those multiple different kinds of trees have multiple colored leaves on them. I mean, they could have all been brown. They could have all been black. They could have all been bright white or something. But God gives them multiple colors. And he doesn't just give us one kind of tree. He gives us all these different kinds of trees. And we use those for different things. Some things we make into beautiful cabinetry and other things we make into instruments. And and we use that wood in hundreds of different ways. Diversity is a gift from God. And diverse people groups have come up with wonderful ideas that they've shared with the rest of the world. We are are incredibly blessed because people in other parts of the world who see things differently than us have come up with ideas that we have incorporated into our lives and that we've been blessed from that. And they've been blessed from ideas that we've shared as well. God hands out diverse spiritual gifts as well. And our challenge is to celebrate all the spiritual gifts that people have and let everyone work together for the good of the whole. That's our challenge. And sometimes it is a challenge because we can get a little bit, you know, jealous or sometimes push back on other people's gifts. It's so great when we work together. Gary Inrig tells this story that several years ago, two students graduated from the Chicago Kent College of Law the highest-ranking student in the class was a guy named Overton, and he was blind. And when he received his honor as highest-ranked student, he insisted that half the credit should go to his friend, Kasperzak. They had met one another in school when the armless, Mr. Kasperzak, had guided the blind, Mr. Overton, down a flight of stairs. And this acquaintance ripened into this wonderful friendship and a beautiful example of interdependence. The blind man carried the books for the armless man, and the armless man read them aloud to the blind man in their common study, and thus the individual deficiency of each was compensated for by the other. And when they graduated, they went into practice together. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Now, they were gifted in some different ways. It's not really an example of spiritual gifts, but it's an example of gifts that the Lord has given and they they celebrated. They worked them together to bring about a whole that was better than the separate parts. Are we jealous of other people's gifts? Do you look around and say, "Man, I wish I had what that person had." You know, I boy, look at them. Look at their ability to evangelize. Or look at their ability to help. You know, they're just always there helping. That just never seems possible for me or whatever. I, especially I see young people, not only young people, but especially I'll see young people say, you know, so-and-so else, they have all these skills. I, I've got nothing. Or or what I have, oh, it's it's so little compared. No, 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 no. What you have is what God gave you. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't make you the wrong way. What you have naturally are your regular gifts. And then what you have when you became a Christian and God poured his spirit into you and gave you spiritual gifts, that's an incredible gift. And if you're a person who has one of those gifts that isn't like out front all the time, it's still just as valuable a gift as somebody's gift is out in front of everyone else. Do we value the differences in other people. I, I think about marriages. I think about some folks who have um, gifts and personalities which are very different. And I, I, I wonder some of you are super organized, and some of you are super flexible, and some of those groups are married. And do you, organized people, appreciate how flexible? Your partner is, and do you flexible people appreciate how organized your partner is, or do you sit around and gripe about it? And how about uh, parents? Do you value the gifts of your children? If if the Lord gives your child a gift that that is something that mm, maybe kind of goes against your comfort zone, do you still value that and lift that up and encourage that kid? Co-workers, do you value the gifts? of another person who's sitting next to you, especially if it's another Christian who has a spiritual gift, that maybe sometimes spiritual gifts aren't really comfortable for everyone around them. I mean, if somebody's got the spiritual gift of evangelism and the next person does not have the spiritual gift of evangelism, we're all called to evangelize. But, you know, some people are like, oh, man, you talk about that all the time. You know, and and, and, and they do because they're gifted that way. Do you celebrate that? Do you even know what your spiritual gifts are? Have you ever done one of those spiritual gift inventories? Those folks who are uh, in the small groups right now that have to do with uh, Serve Island, where we're, we're learning what are the ways in which we can serve the Lord, that they are going through, small group, or through um, spiritual gift inventories. And this is, of course, nothing new to this church because uh, for a long time, everybody who was coming into BPUMC as a member— would go through the discovery class, and then at the end of that, would do a spiritual gifts inventory, and then would sit down with Margie Johnson and would say, okay, where can we plug you in? Which is, which is awesome. And we're, we're doing the same thing now with Tom Holland. Those folks who are coming through uh, the discovery class will at the end sit down with Tom Holland and do a spiritual gifts inventory and say, okay, where can we plug in? Now, some of you did that long ago, or maybe a little while ago, and you're like, well, I know, I know what some of my spiritual gifts are, and I'm plugged in. That's great. Some of you, maybe you didn't. Maybe that's not something you've ever done. We will continually offer spiritual gift discovery times for you so that you can continue to seek that and discover that because it's a powerful thing to know that God has blessed you in this way. Now, some once again... Some of those gifts are gifts that build upon things that are already natural to you, but God builds upon that even more so. Well, we all have different gifts, and that's that's an incredible gift. But the second part of that sentence is interesting. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Did you catch that? Your gift is according to the grace that God has given to you. Your gifts are just that. They're gifts. They're not something that you earned or something that you had something to do with. It's something that God gives to you in his grace. You really had nothing to do with receiving it. You get no credit for having it. It's just something God has unloaded on you. Once again, this works for sort of regular gifting we have and spiritual gifts as well. I think of my friend Jennifer. Jennifer can read 750 words a minute. 750 words a minute. I, I don't know. That's like two pages in, in a good novel. I, I, I don't even know how much. It's just like crazy. I remember one time I handed her a, um, a cartoon. It was a, it was a theology cartoon. I don't remember where I got it. And you know how like, Some cartoons have a whole lot of writing. Well, this had a whole lot of writing packed into these four little squares. And I just spent my 15 to 20 seconds reading it going, you know, oh, that's really funny. And Jennifer happened to be standing there, and I held it out to Jennifer, and I said, Jennifer, check this out. This is hysterical. And she goes like this. No joke. Ah, that's great. And I'm like, What? Did you even read? Yeah, I read that. She read it in like one second. Now, I was just flabbergasted by that. I just couldn't. What in the world? God has gifted her in a powerful way, and she, praise God, is using that to benefit the kingdom of God. She can't take any credit for it, though. It's not like her parents had some kind of reading program that they worked on her and made her better... She's just, that's her natural gift. Your gift is a matter of grace. It's something that God has given to you. Whether it's a natural gift or it's a spiritual gift, it's something God has given to you. And your call is to use it. So, according to the grace given to each of us, we have these different gifts. And and here, I I just want to be plain about this. We've been given different gifts in order to serve the community in order to serve the Christian community and the greater community around us. The call of God is upon us to use our gifts. And the Christian community needs you. In fact, the greater community needs you to use your gifts. Now, my friend Jennifer, I said, is using her gifts. How? She's the editor of Christian History Magazine. And, I mean, it's a great little publication. If you want to know more about the history of the church, it's amazing and she's pumping that out at whatever regular basis that is that's i mean she does a ton of other things too that's just kind of like on the side that's God using her gifts to bless the christian community every single one of us here has gifts it's true every single one of us here is gifted in powerful ways some of us have the gift of faith when everyone else is looking around and going oh my goodness we're in so much trouble. I don't know how we. somebody else walks up and goes, isn't it awesome how great God is? God is going to do mighty things here. God is amazing. And we go, whoa, I that. thank you. That was faith-inducing. That's because that person has the gift of faith. When somebody is down and out, there are certain people who are so encouraging. You're just around them, and you just feel wow, this person has the gift of encouragement, spiritual gift of encouragement. Some of you will drop everything immediately to run out and to help somebody. That's, it's just like your MO. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you find out somebody needs help, I think about our volunteer firemen and those folks. They, they just drop things and they run and help. When you're a Christian and you've been given the spiritual gift of helps, it's on top of that. You're just naturally inclined to do that some of you can teach you can teach people who are really hard to teach but you just hang in there and you help them know and feel and learn those things god wants every christian to be a part of the ministry to get a to get to share in the ministry that he's doing so whatever you've got he gave it to you to use it to hone it to not let it get out of practice but to offer it as a living sacrifice, to be humble about it, but not to deny it or neglect it, not to say this isn't a very important gift, but to say, God gave me this gift and I'm willing to use it. I want to throw up here a picture of something that some of you may know. Uh, There you go. Anyone know what those are? (laughs) Our Ohio State fan over here is... uh, extremely happy to see Buckeye balls. Yes, Buckeye balls. They're like peanut butter balls uh, with chalk on them. They look like uh, Buckeyes. Um, And um, I want you to know that this represents the gift of helps and the gifts of hospitality. How so? Because when uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, there was a woman in my church growing up named Sue, and Sue would have the youth group over like probably every other Sunday night she made like sweet rolls. I mean, we just basically invaded her house. It was, it was great. And she was a wonderful hostess. Hospitality, it wasn't about like, my house is beautiful and you get to it experience. It was like, come into my house and you're probably going to trash it, but, but I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're feeling loved. She always was making things and this kind of thing. All right, well, it came time for Kristen and I, we were getting married, and we were figuring out what we were doing for our reception, and um, we decided we wanted to have this chocolate reception. Doesn't that sound like a brilliant idea? It was. It was was awesome. And uh, one of the things we wanted to have was Buckeye Balls. So I I went to Sue, and I said, I've had some of your Buckeye Balls in the past. Can you make? Yeah, I'll be glad to. She showed up with a thousand Buckeye Balls. Have you ever seen a thousand Buckeye Balls? It's like one step short of heaven, let me tell you. It's amazing. It's amazing. She shows, and she refused to take any, I mean, we were like, you know, we'll pay you. No, 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 this is, this is part of my gift to you as a young married couple. People loved that. It was the gift of helps. It was the gift of hospitality. It was, the, it, it was she using her gifts She loved it. It, it like, fed her soul to help people that way. Do we we celebrate that? Can we celebrate that? I mean, it's so great. Wouldn't it be great to recognize some people just love to help? And instead of making everybody else feel guilty about how they're not helping, just to say, isn't that great that person loves to help? It doesn't mean that the rest of us don't help. It just means that those who thrive on it We celebrate that, and we don't beat ourselves up for the fact that we have a different gift. God wants us all to share in the ministry. Romans chapter 12, the gifts that are listed here are prophesying, uh, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy. That's not an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts. Paul talks about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. He talks about them in Ephesians 4. He even talks about... A few others in other passages, like the gift of singleness or the gift of celibacy. Do those sound like gifts that you want? You may say, I don't know if I want that, but friends, if it's God's gift to you, you do want it. You do want it because that's a powerful thing that God can use, that God will use through you in a powerful way to build his kingdom. He doesn't make mistakes on these gifts. And these gifts are, are are so many different things. I've I read several biblical scholars and they, they say these gifts that Paul writes in these three or four different passages, they're not exhaustive lists. God gives us So many different because he writes to the Corinthians one set and there's only like one or two overlaps in the Ephesians or the Romans set. Why would he tell people only a few? He's just saying these are examples of the way God gives multiple gifts. I think about I think about music. Some people have the gift of music, but friends, some people have the spiritual gift of music. I think about George Handel. He wrote the Messiah. In 24 days, 24 days, it was 259 manuscript pages long, handwritten manuscripts. He did it in 24 days. And that piece of music has been so powerful in uplifting people spiritually for hundreds of years, for over 200 years People have grown in their faith and been inspired and hummed those tunes. Friends, that's not just, boy, he was a marvelous musician. It's that he was used by God to to bless the rest of the Christian community. And even people who are outside of the Christian community love that music. When God gets in the picture, whether people recognize it or not, they love it. They love what they see. In your bulletin, you'll see that there is a a, a list here. We're having the ministry fair the next uh, two Sundays. It says there's a place for you on the BPUMC crew. And in this list, you'll see there's lots of things. Hospitality, contemporary worship, traditional worship, facility management, congregational care, children's ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry, adult ministry, uh, missions and outreach. There's tons of places for you to get involved. I encourage you, take this home please do not just go, wow, excellent recycling material. The guys on Monday morning are going to be so excited to see this in the recycling bin. Don't do it. Take this home and say, how can I be involved? Now I look out and I see some of you are very involved. Some of you know where your place is. You're already working. And others of you are going, well, where should I plug in? Well, friends, these are Wonderful opportunities. I can just tell you straight off the, the bat, we have wonderful people doing landscaping around the church building. But we could use some more. We have wonderful people teaching our children in Sunday school. We have, I think, I think it takes Benny, 45 volunteers to keep our Sunday school program going. We need some. We need some more to really fill that out. We have wonderful people who are praying for our church, but friends. We need some more folks who are willing to pray, to be part of the prayer team. And if none of those things are like going, yes, I want to do that, that's okay, because something in there is your opportunity to give. Now, here's the deal. I get it that we can use our spiritual gifts both inside the church and outside the church. Both ways are positive. And some of you, I know, are using your spiritual gifts in, in ways outside the church, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. That's a beautiful thing. It's really it's a it's a both and thing. We we need to be useful both within the Christian community and as we reach out to the community around us. Just not like as a duty, but as a celebration of the gifts that God has given to us. I want to close here with the story of uh, Niccolo Paganini. Paganini was a guy who could really play the violin. He was unbelievably good at it. This is a really creepy picture of him. Really creepy. What happened is that uh, he lost all his teeth. This is like the early 1800s. Uh, that's like 1850 or 60 or something like that. And uh, he, um, he lost all his teeth, so it made him look even creepier. But he had like this black uh, hair and this kind of dark persona. And people actually believed that Paganini had sold his, his soul to the devil to make him the violin player that he was. He was unbelievable. Later they, uh, they um, realized from descriptions from uh, doctors and that kind of thing, most people realized Paganini could like bend his fingers backwards. Things like that. So he could do things on the violin that nobody else could do because he could reach in ways... That nobody else could reach. And then he was also really inventive. He was the guy that inv- invented the idea of plucking strings. He was the guy that invented the idea that if you re-tuned um, the, the, uh, the, the strings, that you could play different things Yeah, there's one famous story of him playing at uh, some, uh, I think it was somebody's wedding, and his string started breaking. His E string breaks. His A string breaks. His D string breaks. He just kept playing all on the G string. Isn't that amazing? It's just unbelievable. This guy was amazing. Now, I don't think Paganini was a Christian. It's an example of one of those regular gifts honed with amazing skill. But His example to us is powerful. Why? Because when he died, he willed his violin to Genoa, his hometown in Italy, on the one condition that no one would ever play that instrument again. And so, I don't know if you know this about violins, but if they are not handled, if they are not, they don't receive sort of the oil of people's hands, and if they are not played then they start to become brittle. And the violin, Pagnini's amazing violin that touched so many people with its sound has become worm infested. It sits in a case in Genoa and its exquisite mellow tone is forever gone. Nobody can play it. It's moldering there as a reminder that when we withdraw from the service to others, we, we lose our meaning in life. and It's so interesting that such a powerful player would leave a legacy which is just rotting away. Friends, I want to read you these couple of verses again, just from the message version. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, Let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something that we aren't. If you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let them get you irritated or depressed. Instead, keep a smile on your face. You and I, we're all different and have been gifted according to the grace given to all of us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you did not make us the same. Thank you that you have given us gifts, natural gifts, but also beyond that, spiritual gifts. We don't always completely know how they interact, but we know that you, filling a person, can create amazing things. Things like the Messiah. Things like a person who just keeps on having conversations about who Jesus is all the time. Things like the person who thrills to go and to help and to serve someone else. Things like the person who's just an amazing administrator, organizes everything and lets everybody else be so useful because they've got them in the right place. Oh God, whatever gift we have, encouragement, faith, whatever that is, Lord, there's so many out there. We pray that we will be people who respond to you by giving our all, by submitting ourselves fully to you and sharing our gifts. Lord, we pray that as we hear this final song, that we'll be truly challenged, truly challenged. If we are the body, Lord, what are we doing about it? Pray it in your name. Amen.